Welcome, and today we're going to discuss how businesses need to engage on the more complex challenges relating to ethnicity. I'm joined today by Michael Otterdendi from our sales and marketing team, and also Anjali Pindoria, Project Surveyor at Avi Contracts. Anjali, I want to congratulate you on your recent awards at the 2019 Inspire Awards for Most Inspiring Role Model and Most Inspiring Diversity Champion. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to win, win those awards? Thank you for that. Um, I think, first of all, those awards were probably for people who share similar stories to me and have had a similar path to me. So it's not all about me. I think it's more the story behind that. Um, I got into construction, actually, because our dad well, my dad um, used to bring home, uh, I say our because I talk about my three other siblings too, um, used to bring home construction drawings. And we used to all highlight um, and help him and we used to all run around in the kitchen and he would shout a door number and we used to all help him do takeoffs, which is a traditional method of doing a material count in construction. So anyway, that's how we got a brief introduction into it. Um, fast forward, summer 2012, um, the naive me followed school protocol and I enrolled to study accounting and finance. It wasn't for me, but because of my exterior, society had kind of drilled into my mind that this is what you had to do. So I kind of went with the flow. Um, two weeks onto the course, uh, it just, I just hated it. And so my dad called me up one day and said, um, just leave and just come and join us at the firm. And that's how my journey kind of happened into construction. And at first, I didn't really know what I was getting myself into, joining a man's world, as they say. And it was really difficult. And doing my dissertation was actually the reason why I've actually started becoming a voice for change, especially in the diversity and inclusion sector. So I did a dissertation on female inclusion and also the perceptions of construction. And that is what I've then gone on to the, into the industry to talk about and share my research. So, so actually what you're saying is, in terms of the award, you followed a path to be the best version of yourself and actually that is now your passion, helping others with you being that role model. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I didn't really have anyone to look up to as a role model, especially a female from an Asian background, um, especially in such a niche market that I am in in construction. So I think for me, it was more so telling society that it's OK to be different and go into different careers, not just what you're drilled into because um, that's what I find we were drilled into, especially people of my generation back in school. It was, I mean, I wanted to do an apprenticeship, but I was told I was too clever to do it. I mean, what's too clever to do anything in life or what's too stupid to do anything in life as well? So I really wanted to, you know, make change and actually tell society, hold on, although you think I failed my GCSEs and my A-levels because I joined my dad, it wasn't really the case. I still got my degree. I did it all part time, but I still made it in, in another conventional way. Wonderful. And actually, how inspiring. And we could have had you on an earlier podcast talking about <laughs> um, mobility. But, but just thinking about that, what would be your tips to empower others in theory to be the best version of themselves? I think the key thing here is listen to that little voice inside you. We all have these big voices that tell us, no, don't do something because we're quite scared as people. Um, but I think you have to listen to that small voice inside you telling you, no, go and try something. And it's all about authenticity. Keep yourself who you are, how you've been brought up, because that shouldn't change. And I think we all try and fit into a group, especially within work, you'll see people going out and you feel like you have to do it because they're all doing it or you're not going to get that promotion or something of the sort because you're not feeling like you're fitting in. So I think it's sticking to your roots, your traditions, your cultures and not letting that change. And then you will find a whole group of people surrounding you because they are just like you, but you're just too scared to kind of come out. So in terms of 
people having different cultural differences at work, I think it's more making sure you don't ever compromise yourself or feel pressured to do so. And interesting, just just in terms of your workplace, so what have you done to help those other people sort of follow you? So in my workplace, it's very different. Um, we are an Asian family uh, business, so it is predominantly Asians, but we have recruited people from different backgrounds and stuff, which is very good. So we're showing diversity in different forms, but in construction, I'm trying to do things like have mental health um, and things like that with our workers and try and bring them up to speed to what is changing. Fantastic. And thank you. And Michael, um, actually, we talked about you on one of our previous episodes oh, um, on, on work lifestyle balance. Emily Khan referenced the My Promise that you made. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that and your own story? Yeah, so I, I do quite a few things outside of work um, in general. So I think what Emily referenced specifically was some of the stuff that I do around my own Congolese community. So about five years ago, um, I founded a network uh, which was basically looking for Congolese professionals in the city because at the time I was like the only one. Um, and I searched, um, you know, where I was currently and I, I couldn't find any Congolese professionals at all. So I thought, you know, what, let me look for it. Let me create a network um, and kind of do a bit of a marketing um, campaign to look for Congolese professionals. Five years later, we, I've met over about 800 professionals um, all in the city and we do regular networking events. Um, so yeah, that, 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 that's what, one of the things that I used to do. And then outside of that as well, I also work with young people um, who are, you know, kind of associated with gang life or, or on the fringes of being kind of groomed into, into gang life and gang violence. Um, and that comes from my own personal story of having lost around 14 friends to knife crime. Um, yeah, since the age of 14 up until now, and I'm 29. Um, the one that hit hardest was, well, there's been a few, but um, my friend, um, Andrew J. Paul, who we went to school together, grew up together, and, and then it was at the juxtaposition where I went off to university, um, and he stayed and done some retailing um, in the area. And we used to still talk, to, talk on like Facebook, and I think the last message that we shared was him asking me, do I know of any opportunities going on for me at the time? And I said, yeah, of course, I'm going to, you know, anything that comes through, I'm going to email your job application. Don't worry about that. And the next thing you know, I heard that he was on his way home. Um, literally, the news says that he was in the wrong place at the wrong time, but he wasn't. But long story short, he, he got stabbed um, around 14 times by about 11 people. And he was by himself, um, lost his life. And then after that, it motivated me to work with people, especially young people who are in th those kind of yeah, those areas, those rough areas, um, and they don't have any prospects. There's not any mentors or role models outside of the world that they live in or their state that they're living in or the postcode that they quote unquote represent. Um, and so that's some of the stuff that I do outside work as well. Gosh. A lot of stuff. So it's a bit heavy. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? It's inspiring and, inspiring and, and I think it's about as an individual having that courage to actually make a difference because lots of people just think oh dear and, and get on with their lives but actually you've gone about and and, and taken that to be your mantra yeah. that, that i suppose that makes you michael your authentic yeah. self yeah true um and I, I suppose linking into that you know actually as we all sit around this table as i think about myself um the only jewish woman partner at pwc you know we all have our sort of ethnic um origins um 
how do you engage in that conversation on ethnicity, I, I suppose, at work and outside work? Um, I think I, I recognise that I have a responsibility to help draw people in who might also be thinking, how do I engage this topic? But they're not really sure how to just initiate the conversation. So sometimes, I remember one time I was at work and um, someone was trying to describe somebody uh, to me. And it was funny because I knew the person that they were trying to describe. And the person was like, you know, they are quite tall, um, uh, quite quite big, short hair. And I was like, is the person black? And they're like, yes, he's a black man. And, and that, it just, light bulb moment it helped the the person that I was talking to at the time just kind of bring him in and then we had a conversation about you know describing people and you know ethnicity and 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 at that point I realized that actually I've got a responsibility to help draw people in who may be thinking on yeah how to start the conversation but they're not really too sure um, and yeah so since then I've kind of taken it upon myself to to have those open discussions um, in a healthy way which it does, it's brought a lot of like um, clarity and understanding as well, because a lot of people might think something, but they're not really sure, and they're not really sure how to ask. Um, and so, yeah, I see you're nodding as well. Yeah, you, I think you get you quite, I think a lot of people get quite scared that they don't want to offend you. Yeah, So they don't, they don't call it out. It's like, when I'm on site, I get called the Indian girl on site. Right. Because it's the easiest way to describe me. Although I'm the, probably the only female on site, <laughs> it's just saying the Indian yeah, the girl Indian, like yeah. narrows it down from the cleaner. <laughs> and it's just like, well, you could say either or hello. Um, but it's more, you're scared to say anything. Yeah, so. yeah. And I can understand where the, the, the reluctance is coming from. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, we got a responsibility to kind of help draw people in and have that conversation openly, uh, honestly. Yeah, and I think it's being empowered to and be brave to have that conversation. And I suppose, you know, as you walk into an organi any organisation, the diverse mix just exists, doesn't it? And I suppose people sometimes only think about what they know and, and have no idea what else is going on in someone's mind. And if you don't say anything, they're never going to learn. So, So I think we are all have an obligation to, to help others understand what makes each of us tick. Yeah. Um, taking that a bit further, Anjali, you know, what's your view on whether companies should be reporting on their BAME pay gap? So I definitely think that we should. I think we all thrive for transparency in life, in anything that we do. So I think it's another form of transparency in the workplace. Um, and, and knowing that, I mean, we've gone through the gender pay gap. You know, there was all this stuff about minimum wage. So I think this is just like another process that we can go through. I mean, ONS have just recently reported the first time on ethnic pay gap. And that showed loads of different statistics. I mean, we can all probably go off and read it. But I think the one key thing that I found in, in the recent statistic was that London geographically had the widest gap of 21.7% where BAME workers had the significant difference. And when you think about it, London's meant to be one of the most diverse capitals. We bring so many people in internationally to work here. Yet, why are we the widest when it comes to the pay gap? Um, so it makes you wonder. And I mean, I've done research, like I said, initially um, with six formers to kind of gauge what they thought of not just construction, but also BAME opportunities. Um, and what really hit home to me then was more than 50% of those students felt that their exterior would hold them back from their careers. So the protective characteristics. And the fact that more than 50% of those six formers, which are the next generation coming in, feel like the exterior is already going to limit them, I think that makes things like this uh, reporting just even more crucial. And we should use it as a positive tool instead of a negative tool 
um, against um, companies, we should use it as a positive tool to tell companies, well, have you thought about this? Um, and I think it will open up loads of possibilities. Do you think it's going to make an impact on the employees? Uh, definitely. Um, I think we go back about talking about role models and stuff. And although pay is a monetary form, um, uh, uh, and you can look at it and say, well, not everybody's driven by money, but it's something that younger people can kind of look up to. I mean, I go into schools and the only thing they ask me is how much money <laughs> how do much? you earn? <laughs> That's the only question. Like, you could ask me about all these like tall towers, but no, you want to ask how much money you earn. So I think it's more the transparency and also giving that slight um, role model form sort of thing to, to people to look up to to kind of say I can be in those positions because right now they don't see it or they see such a large gap and they think oh well what's the point of going into these fields so it's it's about that transparency I think. Michael it'd be good to know from you whether you think ethnicity reporting will have an impact on our employees. Um, I think it would have an impact um, especially speaking as an employee right now I think it helps um, with my own aspirations, knowing that, for example, for, in PwC, 16% of newly promoted partners this year were from BAME backgrounds. And so it helps me as an individual see that actually, in terms of my own professional progression, there's people at the top who look like me, sound like me, and I can actually get there myself. So I think it helps with motivation. And, and, and a flip side of that is also um, for, for the young people, I remember when I brought some young people into PwC for like a, a, school, a, a tour, office tour visit um, and they saw people who looked like, just like themselves and for them it helped with their own aspirations as well. So I think it's powerful on both fronts um, if companies voluntarily start to publish um, their own reporting figures around ethnicity. I guess it acts like a competitive advantage, really, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, if you're doing it already, you're going to be tapping into the wider um, pool of workforce, which are the talented that you want into your workforce. Yeah. Um, so I think it will act like that. And if you're not doing it, then it's going to be seen badly on you. So it could tarnish your reputation as a company. I mean, there's so much going on about the research about Gen Z. What do they want? Yeah. And, and it's all about... <laughs> what ethics. do they want? Yeah. So, <laughs> and you could read loads of articles, but it all stems down to brand reputation and that they're not scared to boycott brands which aren't seen as, um, you know, promoting positivity and diversity and inclusion. Yeah. Um, but I think it's more educating people. I mean, we have smaller firms that don't have that help and that support yet. I mean, I come from a small size company. Um, we're such a small firm compared to like PwC. So in terms of that support, it's having that help, having those people there to answer your calls, to, to say this is the next steps into doing X, Y, and Z. Because mm. smaller companies are not going to be doing the whole the pay uh, reporting and things like that. It just won't be necessary for those kinds mm. of firms. But it's making them aware about it to then make conscious decisions going forward. Yeah, and even what you said about the future workforce. So because there's so much access to the internet and, and now um, reputation is so important, I know for, for some of the, the young people that I work with, when they're looking, we're doing workshops about CVs and getting them prepared for job interviews, we're telling them, you know, do some research on the company that you want to go into. And so the thing that they're looking for are things like, you know, ethnicity, diversity, inclusion. Those are the things that they're looking for, as well as pay. But more importantly, they want to, it's all about work-life balance. It's all about well-being. So there's such an emphasis on not just going to somewhere just for going somewhere safe, but actually, you know, 
can I bring my whole self to work? And that, that's, that's okay. Like, that's what they're looking for. So I think that's important too. And, 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 and as we think about it, you know, you two have obviously been very successful to be the best versions of yourselves coming to work, um, bringing your cultural background and being comfortable. What would be the one tip that you would give to someone starting out in, in, in your organisations that you wish you would have known that, that might have made the journey quicker? I think for me, it's more don't be scared. Um, don't be scared to be yourself because I think we're also scared to tip, like tiptoe around our weaknesses that we then try and hide them. I mean, w things like networking for me is very difficult because I don't drink. So they'll have a networking event, event which is wine tasting, and that already limits me from going. But I use education as a tool to tell people it's not that I don't want to come and meet you or your company or the people there. It's just I don't drink. Yeah. But it's that it's just making them aware that then makes them realize. Okay, it's like um, Diwali fell on two days where I had committee meetings and I told them I can't attend because it's Diwali. It didn't change the date, but it at least made them aware next time that we need to be thinking of all cultural, you know, days. I mean, I'm not talking about everything in the calendar. Or yeah. there for ages. But the larger things like Eid, Diwali, Hanukkah, things like that, it's just being mindful of those cultures and traditions. So, and I think it's so the one tip I would give, <laughs> narrowing it back down, sorry, is yeah, be yourself and don't be scared to be yourself. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably echo the same, the same thoughts. Um, there's no one better at being you than you. So don't try and change who you are to fit in. You know, you're, you're made uniquely, you are who you are. Um, and your experiences shape you as a person and everything that you've experienced, obviously, it's, it makes you who you are today. And so for me, my top tip would be, it's kind of strange, but have your lunch with your colleagues. And actually, if you're bringing food from home, show them what you're eating as well. It might smell funny, it might not smell funny, but <laughs> you know, the fact is that you're, 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 you're showing them a part of you um, that they wouldn't otherwise know. Um, and it's like you said, it's a great window, it's an opportunity to actually so yeah, this is the kind of spices that we use and this is the kind of food that we eat. This is the culture that I'm a part of, that I'm living in. Um, so yeah, something small as lunch can make a massive difference in, in educating people. That kind of goes back to the whole offensive thing, not taking offense afterwards because yeah. you're opening that conversation. So people aren't scared to ask those questions yeah, and definitely. then they won't take offense when you do ask those questions. Definitely. Yeah, which actually listening to both of you, I think it's about bringing yourself to work but actually being open and and actually as I think about it the one of the things that I always struggled with but I straight up I decided for religious reasons we always have a family meal on a Friday night and most of the functions at PwC are on a Friday night and, and everybody knows I won't go and, and I, again the first time I said it I was a little bit concerned and now it's just this is Susie Wolfson she's at home with her family you know having having some family time so so I think it yeah. is about being comfortable in your skin and being open. Um, Michael, Anjali, thank you so much. You know, I think we could talk for hours on this subject, but thank you for sharing and actually being so open. This brings us to the end of another podcast. Um, it's been a great conversation. The listeners, I hope you've really enjoyed it. And remember, you must subscribe in order that you can learn from our future episodes. Mm -hmm.